Welcome to part three of a series called, You Don't Have What It Takes. And we've been examining some statements that, that we tend to be deceived by. That we've determined that the evil one uses truthful statements to cause us to believe things that aren't true. And today's truth that we're going to examine is, you can't handle it all. How many of you believe that's true? You can't handle it all. You believe it's true? You, you really, and that's not very many. I've got some optimistic people in here. How many of you believe that you cannot handle it all? Okay, most of us in here believe we can't handle it all. But do you really believe it? Because how many people, this is audience participation time, how many people feel Wait till I finish the list before you raise your hand. Stressed out, overworked, overburdened, and overwhelmed. Any of those describe people in here? Okay, we have some truthful people in here today. So you just said, you know you can't handle it all, and yet you're still trying to. So there's something in us that makes us want to believe, oh yes, I can do it all. I can get it all finished. And There's something wrong when people who say, I follow Christ, and I want in on the full life that he offers, and yet my life is stressed, my life is overworked, my life is overburdened. There's something wrong when people who say, Jesus is my Lord and I follow him, and yet their life just goes faster and faster and faster where they're living a way that God never intended for us to live. So we're all on the same level. We all feel a little stressed out and overwhelmed at times. You know what it looks like to try to, to, try to do more in life than you're really supposed to do? To take on more and more and more? It looks like this. Joel's going to help us with this little illustration. Come on up here, Joel. Like, in your mind, be playing Eye of the Tiger and imagine... You know, Joel's got headbands on, and you need to get ready? All right. Okay. I usually don't run unless someone's chasing me, so. All right. God designed us to live at a, at a pace, at a pace that, that we can keep up with, right? This isn't bad. Not bad? Is that, is that your good pace? But here's what happens. We start to believe the lie. That we really can handle everything, that we can do it all, that we can take on more and more and more responsibility, that that we can that we can not only hey I'll run carpool and I'll uh, I'll do it all and you know what let's put the kids in every possible thing we can put them in let's put the kids in a bunch of stuff and let's just. Let's just see how much we can pile on. And hey, let's go out and buy a bunch of stuff so we have more debt. We so we got to so we have to run even faster and cuz I'm tough and I can handle. Hey, let me coach the kids soccer team. That you want to coach soccer? Feel the burn, baby. There, there you go. Feel the burn. So and now life that, that's how some of you say <laughs> That's how some of you say <laughs> I totally forgot what I was going to say. That was funny. 
We did not rehearse that. I just said, hey, come up and around this treadmill when I turn it on. All right, the truth is, that's what many of you look like today when you came in. That's what your week looked like, was just running as fast as you could after taking on things that you were never meant to carry and, and putting on so much stuff and trying to carry so much that you're running with your tongue hanging out, you're worn out, you're tired, and God says, that is not the life that I have designed for you. And the truth is, I could just say, we'll stop doing that. Just stop running that. Just stop running life like that. But most of you would say, I don't know how to stop. I've got this obligation and this responsibility, and I've committed to this and this and this, so how do you just stop? See, when we don't know how to stop, we just keep running and running and running, and life is going at a speed it's not supposed to go at, then things get things get out of sorts. I mean, things get out of line, and, and they're not going the way they're supposed to be, and and, and we, get, we get out of shape, out of sorts, and we get out of shape physically, right? I mean, if you do that, you're not going to be out of shape physically. But if you go through life just fast, 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 it's not going to be long until you're, you're out of shape physically. Where dinner is zipping through the drive-thru at McDonald's, right? Because you've got to get to practice, or you've got to get to rehearsal, or you've got to get to something. And, hey, let's just eat out tonight and, and five other nights this week because we don't have time to go home, sit down together and have a family dinner because we're in a hurry. And so you get out of shape physically when you try to go faster than you were designed to go. How many of you, here? we're, about, we're halfway through the year, all the way halfway through the year 2010. How many of you back in January said, this is my year? I mean, this is going to go, right? And, and, and this is going to change or whatever. Whatever it is you're working on physically, did anybody have goals at the beginning of the year? Now, I won't ask you to admit who forgot about those goals by March. And here we are in July, and you're like, well, I just didn't have time to, to exercise. I just, I mean, I've got a chart on my bathroom wall, and I filled it out up until about the last of February. And it's just a whole bunch of blanks after that. And I'm afraid to step on the scales and say, how did I do? Because I just got busy, and I just forgot, and I just didn't do it. And a day goes by, and a week goes by, and a month, and two months, and three months. And that causes... So many of us to just be out of shape physically. It also puts us out of sorts emotionally. To where people are running so fast that you're just kind of on the edge of an emotional breakdown. Anybody ever feel like that? You're just driving in the car and you feel like, I could just cry for no reason. I could just bust out crying. I don't know why and don't cross me. You know, you can tell. Husbands or wives, either one, look at your spouse. You can tell like today is not the day to give any bad news or any constructive criticism, right? You, you know, you know, it's like, oh, honey, you look beautiful today. Things are wonderful, right? It's not the day to leave socks on the floor. You just kind of know when, when you're, everything's so busy and we're a little bit out of sorts emotionally, you're just that far away from a total emotional breakdown, all because we're trying to handle it all. Then we get out of touch relationally. We get disconnected from those we love when we're running at a pace we're not meant, not meant to run at. And then you realize it's been months before you've actually looked your kids in the eyes or looked your spouse in the eyes and just kind of looked at them and talked to them and had a meaningful conversation. Many people are running through life out of touch 
relationally. And then the ones that we love, we end up feeling disconnected from because at the end of the day, at the end of the week, end of the month, there's just nothing left to give because we're just busy and running so fast. People also get things out of order spiritually. You really do. When, when you get really busy and you're running as fast as you can go on the treadmill of life and, and things are just going faster and faster, that's when you say, well, I wish I had time to read my Bible, but I don't. I wish I had time to get in a small group. I know they talk about it at church all the time, and, and I just wish I did. But, but, but we've got a lot of stuff to get done in our family. I mean, you know, there's four kids and three sports and all ends of the county, and, and we just got to run around and get all that. I wish we had time to do more. You know, I've got this idea for people who are, who are really into, you know, like, you know, people drive their kids just all over the place for sports. Just pick one. And, and I don't live too far from the big soccer fields on, on, way up there on Perry Creek Road. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just the WREL soccer park. And there's another one somewhere else. What's the other one? Isn't there another one? Another big soccer park? Where is it? Somebody tell me. Is it Cary? Okay, so other, two ends of the county. And I know people who have to drive from one to the other. It just depends on the day and the week and the team and all that. And I think there's perfect places to plant churches right by those soccer fields, wouldn't it be? Because nobody minds to drive there five evenings a week, right? And nobody would say, well, my kid can't come to youth group because it's too far to drive. Nobody would say that because people already have proven they don't mind to drive 45 minutes in the evening, Right? stepping on toes. Nobody laughs, right? (laughs) Nobody makes that excuse because, hey, this is good for my kids, right? People get things out of order spiritually when you're running at a pace you were not designed to run at. Finish this statement. God will never, or God won't give us more than we can handle. You ever read that in scripture? You know where I'm talking about where it says, God will never give us more than we can handle. What's, what is that? Where, Rob, somebody help me. You know what that is? See, that's not in the Bible. It's not in there. It does say that God will never let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but it doesn't say God won't give you more than you can handle, so I must be supposed to handle all this stuff, the seven days a week, no stopping ever, no resting. I must be, you know, God won't give me more than I can handle. You know, maybe sometimes God allows us to have more, then we can handle, so we're left with nothing but Him to show that we're not meant to handle it all, right? Maybe He lets us get overburdened and just fill up our lives, so one day we can say, I need something else to lean on. It can't be me, it can't be my schedule, it can't be all the things I've committed to. So maybe God allows us to have more. Maybe the reason you look like Joel did when he was up on number 10 on the treadmill It's because God said, you need to learn that you can't handle it all. You can't do it all alone. I mean, there's something wrong when when we suffer physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually just to get a bunch of stuff done. There's just something wrong with that. There's something wrong if you live your life on the highest setting on the treadmill. And you already know if that's you. You already know. You're sitting there going... Yeah, that's me. What? What? Gosh, yeah, that's me. You already raised your hands earlier. I set you up. You said, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I'm stressed out. I've got too much to do. You already know that. Why, why do we put ourselves in those situations? And then how do you get off? How, how do you stop? I'm going to give some really practical ways 
how to get off that treadmill. That's what this whole message is about. How to stop trying to handle it all. And if you are running at a pace you're never meant to run at that's wearing you out and stressing everybody out and messing up yourself relationally and physically and and, and spiritually and emotionally, I'm going to give you some really practical ways. This is how you get off. And in fact, here's what's going to happen. You're going to nudge your husband or wife and say, write that down. You need to write that down, honey, because that'd be a good thing to remember. And this is what the Bible says. This is what I'm going to share with you. And you'll say, write that verse down. We need to read that. And you'll stick the paper somewhere, and you're going to tell each other, we're going to, something's going to be different this week. And then you'll get in the car, and an argument will start about where to go to lunch. And you got an appointment this afternoon. And my goodness, you couldn't miss the World Cup this afternoon, so you got to hurry and, and get and turn on the TV so you can watch that. And, and whatever else is going on, you, and then tonight, and then Monday hits, and then the whole week starts over again. And a couple months from now, you're going, man, wasn't there something I was supposed to stop doing? This will, be, this, is, this will be easy to forget if you don't apply it. It will. I mean, things are, that's like that in every situation. A few months ago, we just talked about Guatemala. A couple months ago, Joel and I got to go and be a part of a team that went down to Guatemala, and we saw this poverty that was just, it just rips your heart out. It makes you want to say, can I fit some of these kids in my luggage and get them home? I mean, that's what I wanted to do, really. How can I help get these kids out of here? How can I do it? And, and you're just so touched by it, you think, I'm never going to waste money again. I'm going to live different. I'm going to live. I'm going to lower it all. I'm going to live different. There's no more eating out. There's no, we're done. We're not going to spend 50 bucks on dinner. You know what 50 bucks could do in Guatemala? And I was, I was committing to so much and saying this is such a good thing and it helps you recalibrate your life. And I forgot about it in about two weeks when we were back eating out every other day or whatever. Or when I see something that I want, it wears off. It really, and even when I was in the middle of it, I was thinking this is going to wear off in a couple of weeks. So what can I do? to keep it from wearing off. Me, I'm going to have to go back once a year so it doesn't wear off. So don't let this message wear off. It'll be an easy one to let happen because you're going to go right back in to the race that you were running when you came in here today. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus talks about how our burdens should be, how our pace of life should be how we should feel as followers of Christ. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So a bunch of you already said you were. Here's the place to get rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is talking to a group of people who they were burdened down by religious rules and that's what was making their life so unhappy and unmanageable and, and just so burdened down. And he was saying, if you need rest, you come to me. Take my yoke upon you. And he's talking to a bunch of farmers or people who understood farming. And, and what he's talking about is a yoke that they would put on oxen. So when they plowed the field, they would, they would be side by side and, and they would be able to stay in step with each other as they were plowing down so they had straight rows of whatever crop they were planting. So they would put this yoke on the oxen and they would be in step with each other. And what Jesus is saying is, you take my yoke and you put it on you and you walk in step with me. So if you're, if you're running at number 10 on this, I mean, you're just running like Joel was a moment ago, then you're not in step with the Spirit of Christ because he already said, if you take my yoke up on you and learn from me 
It's going to be gentle and easy. You're going to find rest for your souls. So if I'm running at a pace that is causing me to disconnect physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, then that means that I'm not yoked up with Jesus Christ. Because he said, if you take my yoke upon you, that's not how life's going to be. So how could a person who says, yes, I want to follow Christ, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how could that person allow themselves to get into a place where life is just burdening them down and stressing them out? That's because you believe the lies that you really can handle everything. So what do I do? What do I do? I'm out of step with Christ. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the yoke of Christ on me. I've got something else, and I'm trying to keep up, and life is going fast, and I want to know how to get off. There's three quick ways. If you write these down and you start to apply them. Listen, when I was putting this message together, I was like, man, if, if I'm going to take notes on myself, this is pretty good stuff. I mean, it, this, this was coming out of Scripture. I was just thinking, I, I need to listen to this. And I know my wife was, the first time I delivered this a few weeks ago at Wakefield, I'm sure she was like, he's a hypocrite. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'm the one. Maybe this message is just for me. Maybe nobody else struggles with this. But here's what needs to happen. If I'm out of step with Christ, here's what I need to do. I need to realize that some things that I'm doing need to be shared. Some things just need to be shared. And I'm learning that as a leader. I'm st- I've been a leader a long time, and I'm still learning that I can't do everything. That, you know, we've got LifePoint here, and then we've got LifePoint in Wake Forest and Wakefield, and then we're going to have another one downtown next year. And so I'm just going to put my arms around everything. I'm going to do everything everywhere, and, and life will just be great, won't it? And I had to realize, you know what, I've I got to share some of this stuff. I've got great, capable people, and so i just got to start to share so even right now, as we speak, I'm sitting with some of our leaders and we're kind of going through, how can we kind of restructure some things responsibility-wise and organizationally that, that help us share the load so it all doesn't come to one person? Now, that's not an easy thing to do because it means releasing control. And some of us are control freaks and we like to have control of everything because, right, we can do it better than everybody else. So, so why in the world would you release control? That's a really hard thing to do especially when you're a leader, is to let it go and let, put it in the hands of capable people and just let it happen. But some things you just have to realize need to be shared. This is a biblical principle. You've read the story, or maybe you've heard the story of Moses in the Old Testament, the guy that went before Pharaoh and said, let all these millions of Jewish people go. The Israelite nation, was let, they were led out of Egyptian slavery by this guy Moses. And so Moses was their leader, and he was above all these people, and God appointed him there. And then they get... And they they get in this journey towards the promised land. And all these people are coming to Moses, their leader, for advice over and over again. A couple things start to happen. He gets overwhelmed, so it's affecting him. He's not being an effective leader, but it's also affecting the followers because they're not being effectively led because he's stressed out because he's trying to get everything done. And for one place, at least in Scripture, it was good that his father-in-law meddled in his son-in-law's business. His father-in-law's name was Jethro. Listen what Jethro says to Moses when he's dealing with the stress of having to deal with all leading all these people. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You 
and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The word, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So some things just need to be shared. You need other people. If you're a leader, a boss, a manager of other people, a person who's charged with getting a lot of things done, a lot of responsibility, and that's everybody from mom who stays at home to where if you're a corporate leader, that's everybody in here. We've all got responsibility for something, so you've got to learn to share the responsibility. You've got to learn to say yes when people say, do you need some help? And I'm ter- I, personally, I'm terrible with that. Do you need some help? And I, inside I'm going, yeah, but outside I'm like, no, I got it. I can handle it. It's a lie. It's not a, a purposeful, well, I guess it is purposeful. It's not a malicious lie. But nevertheless, it's not true. I need help. You need help. But people ask and we go, I don't need help. Here, here's, here's the rule that I learned from reading some of John Maxwell's writing. He's a great leadership author. Anything he's written is really good stuff for corporate leadership, church leadership. He's written a bunch of books on it. But I don't remember which book says this, but he's talking about delegation. And he says, if you can delegate something to 80% of the effectiveness you wanted, then delegate it. I mean, don't just give it to anybody on the street. It's not going to get it done. But if you can delegate it to 80%, then delegate it. Because if you can get to 80%, it's probably going to be done as good as you think you can do it anyway, you know? I mean, you, you're saying, I don't want to give this to another person because they won't do it as good, but you just think you can do it better than everybody else. That's not reality. So if they can get to 80%, that's probably really 100%, so just let them do it. So some things need to be shared. When you share things, you fulfill the law of Christ, is what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So, some things need to be shared. Some things in our lives need to be stopped. Jesus got a lot done in his ministry. In three years, read the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read about all the things Jesus did. Some of the things Jesus did was say, stop, no, I'm not going to do that. Did you know Jesus didn't heal every sick person? He healed some. In one situation, he went in a place where there were a lot of sick people in, in, a, in a huge place. And he healed one of them. So he was able to say, look, I'm beyond what I can handle. He's able to say no. He even said at one point, when they, somebody came up and asked him a question about a dispute they were having, he said, who appointed me judge between you two? It's as if to say, I, I'm not going to handle this. I'm saying no. I've got other things to do. So some things in our life need to be stopped. There's a story in Luke chapter 10. Before you put the verse up there, let me tell a little bit of the story. Of two ladies, two sisters, who Jesus came to their house for dinner. Could you imagine if Jesus was going to come to your house for dinner? I mean, it's today. I said, hey, guess what? Jesus showed up today like in body form, okay? And he's picked out one of your families, and I told you, I just said your name, and he's coming over for dinner. Who would get up and leave right now and start cleaning? Tell the truth. <laughs> the truth. Right now. I mean, you would get, go get the kids out of the kitchen and say, come on, we got to get home. You'd be stuffing things under the bed, opening the closets, cramming things in there, putting things in the cabinet, saying, don't you dare open these while Jesus is here, because we want him to think everything's perfect. Don't you do that when, when people come to your house? I mean, you give like the facade that everything's really clean, but it's really just stuffed under the bed and the dust just got wiped off. And, you know, you get those cobwebs out of the corner that have been there for years and because it was a big deal. And that's what was going on with these two ladies, Mary and Martha. 
They heard that Jesus was coming, and Martha freaked out, and she's like, I, I gotta go, I gotta get this place clean, and she's in the kitchen, and she's cooking, because you're cooking for Jesus, my goodness, you know, you want to make sure whatever you're cooking for Jesus is right, so she's in there totally just stressed out, Jesus is in the living room, or whatever they had, and he's in there talking with Mary and everybody else, and, and Martha is in the, in the kitchen just slaving, trying to get everything perfect, and Martha gets upset, and she's like, Jesus, could you tell Mary to come in here and help me? I'm trying to get the perfect meal set for Jesus and trying to get everything done and trying to make it so perfect and nobody's folded the napkins and no, the silverware's all out of order and the drink cups haven't had ice put in them yet and she's just totally stressed out and she says, Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. And listen what Jesus says to Martha when she's stressed out about all the stuff she thought she had to do. Martha, Martha... The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha was busy trying to get a bunch of stuff done. Mary was just like, you know, I just want to sit and listen to Jesus. The ham can burn. Well, it wouldn't have been ham. The turkey can burn. <laughs> you know, the ice can melt. I don't. I don't care. I just want to sit and I want to listen to Jesus today. And, G and that's what Jesus said was better. Martha, you're worrying about too many things. Just stop. Mary's doing what's better. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. Which one are you? Are you more like Mary who chose not to do some things? Or more like Martha, who tried to do it all. Psalms 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And you might think, I would like to have the time to be still. I would really like to have the time just to have stillness in my life a little bit. Well, you can. Just If you're taking notes or just mentally do this, fill in this blank. To yourself. If I had the time, I would. What would you do if you had the time? What, what would be in your blank? Would you say, I would, I would read my Bible more and get to know more about the character of God through Scripture. That's what I would do. I would get involved in a small group. If I had more time, I'd get involved in a small group. I would, I would spend more time looking into the face of my children. I would, spend, I would take my wife on a date night. That's what I would do. I would volunteer and get really, really more involved with people who desperately need help. That's what I would If I had more time, I would just serve in the lives of those who maybe never experienced the love of God in their life. That's what I would do if I had more time. Here's the deal with time. So whatever's in that blank, think about it for a minute. With time, it's not like money. You can save money and go back and get it later and spend it and then save some more, spend it and save some more. Time doesn't work that way. Time is, is just here, and you can't do anything but use it. You can't save it. You can't say, hey, we're going to put this over here, and we're going to go back and get this time later when we need it. It doesn't work. When the seconds tick away on the clock, they're gone forever. Now, all the things you would have put in that blank, I know people who do. I know people who work 40, 50 plus hours a week and still spend a lot of time with their family and still are in a small group and still are in, in some kind of spiritual relationship with other people 
that helps change their life. And they're still not stressed out. I know people who do all the things that you would have put in your blank. So it can be done. And guess what? Those people have 24 hours in a day just like you do. They just choose to spend it differently. So when you say, I don't have the time to do this, the translation is, I choose to spend my time doing something else. That's the truth. You've got the same amount of hours in a day as everybody else. And your work schedule might be different. It might be intense at times. Maybe it's all night. Maybe it's all morning. Whatever. But you've got the same amount of hours in a day as anybody else. And if people are doing the things that you say, I wish I could do if I had the time, then they can be done. It's not impossible. They've just chosen not to be on the treadmill of life running at high speed so spread out that they can't get anything done and they're all out of whack. They've chosen to spend their time on what's better, like Mary did. Mary and Martha had the same amount of time. Let's say Jesus was at their house an hour before you know, Martha freaked out and blew up. They both had that hour. They just chose to spend it differently. And so when you think, kids, I don't have the time. Sorry, dad can't do that today. Well, what you're really saying is, I'm choosing to do something else. That's how it is with time. So whatever's in your blank, I would do if I had the time, just do it. Just start doing it. Because your actions communicate much more than your words. If you, if you look at your checkbook, you kind of see what's important to you and where you think you should spend your money. If you look at your calendar, you can see where you think and where you choose to spend your time. So today you need to make a decision to just stop some things. Just stop doing them. Just abruptly stop. Whatever it is. Maybe get the kids together and say, you know what? We're going to stop doing this, this, and this. That'll be the best thing you ever did for your kids. Best thing. If you're stressed out running them all over the county and all these things, the best thing you could do for them. You think that's what's best for them, but the best thing you could do is say, we're going to stop doing some of this stuff that's putting so much stress on our family. We're just going to stop. Like I said, this is going to wear off. This is, if you're not careful by lunchtime, you, you'll be done with this message and, and you know, you'll forget about it. Write it down and remember it. The word for still in Psalms 46 is a Hebrew word that's pronounced rafal. It means to slacken, to allow, to sink, to let drop, which the modern translation would be drop it. God is saying drop it and know that I'm God. So how many people have a to-do list? Tell the truth. How many people have to-do lists? How many people have to-don't lists? Anybody have this? Not as many. So maybe we need to start making to-don't lists. Here's the things I do, and here's the things I don't do. Really, your to-don't list should be a lot longer than your to-do list. Some people in this room, I'm sure, really need to experience rest. One way or another. We're all going to rest. We can either do it when we get to get up or do it when we don't. One way or another, you're going to rest either here or in a casket. Don't mean to be morbid, but we're going to rest. We're getting there. One way or the other, we're going to experience rest. Just stop some things. Be still and know that I am God. Not only does... Some things need to be shared. 
Some things need to be stopped, but everything needs to be surrendered. Psalm 62 verse 1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. How could somebody follow Christ and never experience that rest, that, walk, that what it means to walk in step, to be yoked up with Jesus Christ? I've met Christ follower after Christ follower who are running at a pace they were not meant to run at. Things are out of sorts in their life. And yet they would say, oh yeah, I'll follow Jesus. Well, walk with him. Put his yoke upon you just like he says. Now, the last thing you need to ask yourself, write this question down. What radical change do I need to make? What, what do I need to do radically in my life that's different, that changes things today? And this is not something you can ease into. You just got to cut it. Just go. Just go home today, sit around at the lunch table and say, what are we going to cut out? What are we going to stop doing? It can be one of the best things you've ever done for your family. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest, easy, and light. Those are the words that should describe what our life is like. The words that Jesus used, rest, easy, light. And if they're not, something is wrong. If we're running as fast as we can on this, and all out of sorts, we're not running in step with Christ. And if this looks like your life, running and just not able to keep up, I want to give you an opportunity today for us to pray for you. If you're ready to surrender some things, or is ready to surrender everything, ready to stop some things, delegate some things, whatever that is, you need to be prayed for. Joel's going to come down and, and sing a song and Listen to the words to this song. And partway through the song, he's going to dismiss you. And when you're dismissed, just go out. And if you want to be prayed for today in a special way regarding this topic or anything, just take a left, go into theater two, and there's people waiting there to pray for you. You don't have to live life on the treadmill. You don't have to live life yoked up with the world in such a way that keeps you overburdened and stressed out. You can truly surrender everything to Christ. And when you do, the burdens that you think you're carrying now will become light. Let's pray. God, thank you for the promise of Jesus that our burdens will be light. And may those of us who are having trouble surrendering to Christ everything in our life, may we gain the courage to do that today and just walk over to Theater 2 and ask to be prayed for. God, may we not forget this message this week. I pray this in Jesus' name.